0: Genesis 22 14 the Bible says "And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen I want to talk to you here for the next few moments simply about the provision of God it is my prayer it is my belief that you're going to receive a fresh revelation a greater understanding a greater appreciation For what the provision of god means in your life let's bow our heads god we thank you for your power your presence your anointing that we feel in this house god i ask you for the next few moments to give me your words to speak to the hearts minds and spirits of your people i ask you this morning to help us not to just be hearers of your word but to be doers also that your word might take root in our hearts and produce life in the days and the weeks and the months to come. God, anoint your word, anoint our ears, and we'll be careful to give your name the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. I've come to learn, come to believe that, that one of the great ways to really get to know God, one of the great ways to get to know the character and Indeed, the very nature of God is by the names of God that are revealed throughout Scripture. Because in Bible culture, in Bible times, a name was generally meant to say something specific about a person. A name was generally not something random that was assigned, but a name uh, was meant to say something about the very character and the very nature of a person. So it's not like it is nowadays where parents hear a name that they like and they choose a name that they like uh, for the most part for their children. Or I guess these days, the more popular you are, if you are a celebrity, you try to come up with as weird of a name as you can come up with. And, But, but we just randomly assign names to our children uh, in, in many situations. It was meant in Bible times for a name to say something specific about a person. So it was not even uncommon for parents to give a child a name that might reflect the circumstances of that child's birth. But as that child uh, would begin to grow, begin to develop other characteristics, parents would actually go back and change the name of that child uh, to reflect those new characteristics. And so you look through Scripture, you see that Satan means opposer or adversary. Devil means accuser or slanderer. This tells us about the very role, uh, the very nature, the very character of the enemy. Yes, he is an opposer, and yes, he is an accuser. Yes, he is a slanderer. He would seek to oppose both man and God, and he would seek to accuse God before man and man before God. We also see that Jacob in the Bible meant heel grabber or trickster, and many times in Jacob's life, he would live up to the ideals of his name, he would prove to be a trickster when uh, he would trick his brother and steal his birthright. Uh, he would prove to still be a trickster later in life when he would trick his uncle Laban. But but we also see that Jacob had an encounter with God uh, that changed his life. He had an encounter with God. Uh, That changed his character. It changed uh, his nature. uh, And we see that when his character changed, uh, that God also changed his name. uh, That God took this trickster, this heel grabber, uh, and God changed his name to Israel, uh, which means one who prevails uh, with God. Uh, Indeed, you find in Scripture that it was not uncommon for God uh, to change a person's name uh, when their character changed. Uh, That's why I get excited uh, whenever I read in Scripture uh, that I've got a new name, Uh, that's written in glory. Uh, I don't know what that means to anybody else uh, here today, but when I look back over my life and uh, when I consider where I used to be and and what I used to be and what my character used to be, uh, I get excited uh, that God has given me uh, a new name. Uh, There ought to be somebody in this house uh, who remembers where you used to be. Uh, There ought to be somebody in this house uh, who remembers the man uh, or the lady uh, that you used to be, Uh, and you ought to be thankful uh, For the grace and the mercy of God, that He saw that your character changed and God gave you a a new name. I would to God you would use this against the enemy. The next time he tries to come against you with condemnation about what you used to be. The next time he tries to condemn you about where you used to be. You ought to use this against the enemy. Yes devil you're right. That's where I used to live. But I've got a new name. Everything has changed. I'm not the man that I used to be. All things are passed away and behold all things have become new in my life. Uh, Uh, but the names of God revealed in scripture provide great revelation of his character. In the verse we read this morning, we find uh, one of the compound names of God that reveal uh, an aspect of his character. We're reading in the lives of Abraham and Isaac, and I know many of us are familiar with the story, but just allow me to provide uh, a little bit of context. God had appeared to Abraham and promised him that he would have a child uh, who would make him the father of many nations. But when God made this promise to Abraham, uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah were older people, and years began to pass, and Abraham and Sarah found themselves uh, getting even older, uh, and nothing was happening. And so then they began to get discouraged. They made mistakes. They tried to To manufacture of the promise of God uh, through their own means, their own ability, their own methodologies. But the Bible lets us know that when it seemed far beyond uh, being impossible, that Sarah gave birth to Isaac, and God told them that it was through Isaac that that promise was going to be fulfilled. Many years later, after Isaac was born, uh, God again appeared to Abraham and told Isaac, told Abraham uh, to take Isaac to a mountain that he would show him, uh, and there to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And as unthinkable as that might sound, uh, the Bible does not record any back and forth between Abraham and God or any sort of uh, resistance from Abraham towards God. But in the very next verse, the Bible lets us know that Abraham moved in obedience to God. He took Isaac, he took two servants, he took a donkey, he took wood for sacrifice, and they traveled some three days to the mountain that God has shown him. And when they got to the mountain, Abraham left the servants behind, and he and Isaac climbed that mountain to the place of sacrifice. When they got to the place of sacrifice, Abraham built an altar and he laid Isaac on that altar and Abraham was on the very verge of sacrificing Isaac, the promised child, when an angel stopped the hand of Abraham and told Abraham not to harm Isaac, that heaven had seen that Abraham was willing to be obedient to the voice of God. And it was then that Abraham looked and saw a ram in the bushes and Abraham offered that ram as a sacrifice instead of Isaac. The very next verse in this story is right after Abraham saw the lamb and offered that lamb, that ram, as a sacrifice. The very next verse in that story is what we read as our text this morning. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And so here, one of the compound names of God is revealed, Jehovah-Jireh, and it means the Lord who provides. Now, you've got to know that Genesis twenty-two fourteen 14 is the only verse in the entire Bible that calls him Jehovah-Jireh. That name is only revealed once uh, in the entire Bible. Uh, he's only called Jehovah Jireh one time uh, in all of Scripture. Uh, but I'm so glad this morning uh, that that one mention is enough. Uh, I'm so glad this morning uh, that there is a confirmation uh, that it's a part of the character uh, and the nature of God uh, to be a provider. Uh, I'm so glad uh, that I know that he is uh, Jehovah Jireh. Uh, I believe there are testimonies uh, in this room, uh, men and women, who could say, uh, I know for a fact uh, that he is Jehovah Jireh. Because if not for Jehovah Jireh, I would not be the man that I am this morning. If not for Jehovah Jireh, I would not be the lady that I am this morning. If not for a God who provides, we would not be the family that we are right now. If not for a God who provides, we would not be the church that we are right now. I am what I am because God has been a provider. But what does it mean to provide? That might seem like a silly elementary question, but I was surprised when I really began to study the core concepts of what it means to provide, the etymology, the history, the core concept of the word. Because before doing so, I would have told you that to provide is to give somebody something or to supply something. But I learn and study that we get the word provide from the Latin providetti. Pro means before. We use pro in many words, proactive and so on. Pro means before. But fidetti doesn't mean to give or to supply. But fidetti means to see. It's from the word fidetti that we get words in English like video. It has everything to do with the ability to see. And so when you combine the two, it simply means to see before. Somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching this morning. Because in the truest sense, to provide is to look ahead, to prepare In advance, uh, to act uh, with foresight, Uh, seeing is uh, a vital part of truly providing. Uh, In fact, it would appear that seeing uh, might be the most important part uh, of truly providing. Uh, So it is therefore not coincidence uh, that the root word uh, of provision uh, is vision. Somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching. It's not mere happenstance. That the root word of provision uh, is vision. uh, Because with provision, there's an element uh, of being able to see ahead uh, and to give specifically uh, what is needed uh, based on on what specifically has been seen. I found this to be consistent throughout many languages. And I found this also to be consistent with what we find in Scripture. I said a few moments ago that Jehovah Jireh means the Lord uh, who provides. But the literal translation of Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who sees or the Lord hath seen. I'm preaching this here this morning because I'm convinced that the concept of Jehovah Jireh has become watered down over the years. I'm convinced that we've lost a lot of the meaning uh, of Jehovah Jireh over the years, uh, and the way we use it now uh, does not reflect the way uh, it was meant to be used or the way uh, it was used originally, uh, because in that moment uh, when Abraham called God uh, Jehovah Jireh, in that moment uh, when the life of the promise uh, had been spared uh, and God gave uh, a substitute sacrifice, uh, in that moment uh, when God stopped the hand of Abraham uh, and when Abraham called God Jehovah Jehovah Jireh. He wasn't saying it like people say nowadays. He wasn't just saying, He's a God who gives me stuff. He wasn't just saying, He's a God who gives me things. But in that moment when Abraham said, He's Jehovah Jireh, Abraham was saying, He's a God who sees me. He's a God who saw exactly where I was. I didn't realize it, but God was watching the entire time. I didn't recognize it, but God did not take His eyes off of me. And my Isaac. He saw exactly where he was taking me and he has made provision in my life. He's a God who sees and knows. Uh, My God, I want to preach this morning against the whispers of the enemy uh, because the enemy will show up in your situation and try to convince you that God doesn't know where you are. The enemy would try to show up in your circumstance uh, and try to convince you uh, that God doesn't see what you're walking through. Uh, he'll try to convince you uh, that God doesn't see uh, where he's taking you. Uh, he'll try to convince you uh, that God doesn't know uh, what lies ahead, uh, but can I preach a fresh confidence uh, into somebody's spirit? Uh, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's a God who sees. He's a God who knows. Uh, because if we're not careful, we might begin to see the provision of God as just some random generic list of things that he gives us. Or We might begin to see the provision of God as a shopping list that we use to go to God to get what we think we need based on what we can see. But I'm preaching here this morning that the vision of God, the foresight of God is a vital part of, of his provision in your life. It's a vital part of his provision in my life. It's a vital part of his provision to this church. It would appear to me that the greatest comfort in the provision of God lies not in what he can do, but it lies in what he can see. Well, I'll say that again. The greatest comfort uh, in the provision of God uh, lies not in what he can do, uh, but it lies uh, in what he can see. uh, Because God's ability uh, doesn't matter uh, if he can't see where you are. Uh, God's ability uh, doesn't matter uh, if he can't see uh, what you're walking through. Uh, But I'm going to preach it this morning uh, until somebody believes it. There's a God who sees, uh, and there's a God who knows. Uh, There's a God who knows exactly uh, where you are today. In Genesis 22, as they made their way to the place of sacrifice, Isaac began to look around and ask his father questions. Isaac said, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Isaac is going by what he can see. And what Isaac can see raises more questions than answers. What Isaac can see makes Isaac wonder how can we possibly do what God is telling us to do? How can we possibly complete what God is telling us to complete? How can we possibly make the sacrifice that God is calling us to make? But Abraham's response to Isaac's question was that God would provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Without a doubt, Abraham had much trepidation as he climbed that mountain. Without a doubt, Abraham had probably as many questions as Isaac did, uh, but Abraham made that journey uh, with a fresh confidence. Uh, He says God will provide uh, himself a lamb. Uh, Once again, that word provide uh, literally translates uh, to God would see to it. Uh, That's the confidence. Uh, I would to God I could preach uh, into somebody's spirit. Uh, I don't know what it is uh, that you might be walking through this morning. Uh, I don't know what situation uh, you might be climbing over this morning, uh, but I would to God uh, you would leave Atlanta West uh, with the fresh confidence uh, that God will see to it. God will see to it. Uh, Once again, God did not just provide Abraham with something. God gave Abraham exactly what he needed in order to do what God had told him to do. There was nothing else God could have given Abraham in that moment that would have satisfied the moment other than what God did provide. Because once again, we serve a God who sees ahead, a God who sees all, a God who sees where you are at this moment, and a God who sees where he's taking you, a God who sees where your children are this morning. A God who knows where your grandchildren are this morning. A God who sees what is to come. A God who sees where his church is this morning. A God who sees where this nation is this morning. A God who sees where our world is. And he will supply what we need. Uh, We find examples of God being able to see ahead throughout the life of Abraham. When God first appeared to Abraham to talk about the promise, Abraham's name was not Abraham, it was Abram. And Abram means exalted father. Yet at the time when God chose Abraham, Abram was 75 years old and had no children. God chose to use a man called exalted father when he was 75 and had no children. The next time God appeared to Abram, he was even older, and now he had one child, Ishmael, that was the fruit of his unbelief. He had one child that was the evidence of his failure, his weakness, his shortcomings. And it was in that conversation that God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. I hope you grasp what I just said. God did not wait for the birth of Isaac to change the name of Abram. God did not wait for the promise to be fulfilled to change his name. But God changed his name to Abraham. When all he was uh, was an old man uh, with the fruit of his failure. Uh, All he was uh, was an old man uh, with the evidence uh, of his unbelief. Uh, All he was uh, was an old man uh, with his Ishmael. uh, And God says, I don't have to wait for the promise uh, to come to pass uh, to change your name, uh, but I can speak to you now, uh, not based on who you are. I can speak to you now, uh, not based on what you've done. I can speak to you now, uh, not based on what you have, uh, but I can speak to you now. uh, Based on where I was taking you. Uh, because I'm a God uh, of provision. Uh, I'm a God uh, who sees what's to come. Uh, and I can change your name uh, before the promise uh, is even born. Uh, I'm a God uh, of provision. Uh, I'm so thankful that we serve a God who can see ahead. I could spend the rest of the day telling you story after story. About the provision of God in my life in my family's lives. Those of you who've been here for a while, you've heard some of the stories, you're familiar with my family, but my parents were missionaries in Liberia, West Africa. We spent some 33 years on the mission field in West Africa. And prior to becoming a missionary, my father was in the Army, the U.S. Army, but he was stationed in different parts of Africa. And so even before I was born, uh, since the early 60s, my parents were in parts of Africa. And in all that time in Africa, the decades we spent in Africa, we had never owned a a waterbed. Uh, But before we went back on one trip, my oldest sister got absolutely adamant. She was not going back without a waterbed. She had to have a waterbed. My dad told her, absolutely not. I'm not spending all that money on a waterbed. It is out of the question. You're not getting a waterbed. And I explained to the first service, and I'll tell you here for those who don't know my father, some of you do, but for those of you who don't, when he was in the Army, he was a drill sergeant. And that should tell you a little something about who he is and what a no from him means. You Get a no from my dad, it's, it's a good no. But he talks about it to this day. He'd never seen my sister like this. She would not take no for an answer. Bordering on rebellion and disobedience, I'm not going back without a waterbed. I refuse to go without a waterbed. Finally, my father relented. He went to a garage sale, saw a waterbed, bought the waterbed, mainly just to get her to please just leave me alone. I don't know, didn't know if the waterbed was any good. Just your waterbed will be in in Africa, please Leave me alone about the waterbed. What none of us had any way of knowing was that within just a few months of our return to Africa, a civil war would break out that would last the next 15 years or so. But in in the initial days of that civil war, because our home was near the government radio station, and whoever controlled that radio station Could spread whatever propaganda they wanted to spread. And it was always a high priority target when there was a coup attempt or any sort of overthrow or whatever. Uh, But we, we lived near the government radio station, so it became a high priority target. And so for 17 days straight, we were trapped on the front lines of that war. We could go upstairs and look out the back, over the back gate and see rebel forces, and look over the front gate and see government forces. And for 17 days, We were trapped in our home, taking bullets and other things uh, every single day. But we would not have survived those 17 days in sub-Saharan Africa without electricity and running water, without the water from that waterbed. I know that's not a million dollars. We... We pray about Jehovah Jireh and just give me a bunch of money and millions of dollars and whatnot. I know that's not a million dollars, but in that moment, a billion dollars would not have done us any good. Oh, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. In that moment, all the money in the world uh, would not have done us any good. But well, I'm only standing before you alive and well uh, on this Sunday morning uh, because we serve a God uh, of provision. Uh, I'm only standing before you here uh, alive and well uh, because we serve a God uh, who can look down from heaven uh, and put something in the mind uh, of a teenage girl uh, that says, "Don't take no uh, for an answer. Uh, don't stop asking uh, until you get a yes. Uh, don't stop asking uh, until you get a waterbed uh, because to you uh, it's just a waterbed, uh, but to me uh, it's provision. Uh, to you." it's just a luxury but to me it's a reservoir that's going to save your lives because i know what is to come i know what's going to happen next month i'm a god of provision and i've got to make sure you've got what you need to make it through what you're going through i'm a god of provision oh come on somebody needs a faith increase in this room Somebody needs their faith to rise. There's a God who sees, and there's a God who knows. There's a God who knows what lies ahead, and he is well able to perform. He is well able to perform. Uh, My God. Uh, hear me this morning when I say that there are times when God will provide experiences. Something, perhaps something unpleasant that you must encounter and conquer now to prepare you for what is to come. I'm reminded this morning of David, who, while watching his father's sheep in the wilderness, would find himself confronted by a lion. And he would have to stand all by himself in a wilderness and fight a lion. And then a bear would come and attack the father's sheep, once again all by himself, without support, without encouragement, David would have to stand and defeat a bear. And I can imagine David wondering why God was allowing him to experience those things, why God was allowing him uh, to face those things. But you fast forward in the life of David, when David now stands on the biggest stage of his life, facing the biggest giant he had ever faced. You see that when everybody else was paralyzed by fear, that uh, David had a different experience. That while everybody else was cowering with fear, uh, David took a few minutes to have a testimony service. David said, one day uh, I was watching my father's sheep. Uh, A lion came uh, and attacked my father's sheep, Uh, but somehow, someway, uh, Jehovah God gave me the victory uh, over the lion, Uh, but that's not all. Uh, On another day, uh, I was watching my father's sheep, uh, and a bear came uh, and attacked my father's sheep, Uh, and once again, the same God uh, gave me victory uh, over the bear. Uh, I didn't understand why I had to go through it uh, when I went through it. Uh, I didn't understand why God uh, allowed it to happen, but now I realize he didn't forsake me. He was just preparing me. He saw what was to come, and he was making sure I was ready for the moment because now when everybody else is paralyzed by fear, I'm able to stand and say the same God that delivered me from the paw of the lion, the same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear is able to deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. He did it before, and he'll do it again he did it before and he'll do it again he brought me through before and the same God is able to do it again uh, his provision was getting me ready for the moment She once again his provision is not based on what we can see it's based on what he can see and that's something we should be thankful for I look back over my life Brother Jury, I shudder to think where I'd be today if God had done to me according to what I saw and what I thought at various times in my life. But without any doubt, the greatest example of the provision of God is revealed in the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. The one who was foretold of even in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, God let them know the consequences of their sin, the consequences of their failure. And those consequences have not changed. God said, now there's going to be pain. There's going to be guilt and shame. There's going to be separation from God. And there's going to be death. But I'm just so glad that God never leaves us in that place. Because in that same conversation, God told Adam and Eve that one day the seed of the woman was going to bruise the head of the serpent. Adam and Eve had no way of understanding the real significance of this statement, but God is speaking in his provision. See, this is the only verse, the only time in all of Scripture where God talks about the seed or the Bible talks about the seed of a woman because biologically the woman has No seed. And in every other instance when the Bible talks about seed, uh, it's talking about the seed of a man. But here God is speaking in his provision. God is looking thousands of years into the future. And God is saying things are bleak right now. Things are broken right now. Things seem to be hopeless right now. Uh, But he's saying in his provision uh, that one day a child uh, is going to be born. And he's not going to be the seed of any man. He's not going to have any earthly father. And through him, there will come redemption. Through him, man will be reunited with God in an intimate way. Through him, man will be able to rise and walk in a newness of life. In him, we will live and move and have our being. He will bear the sin of the world. He will redeem us from the curse of the law. He will defeat the power of death, hell, and the grave. He who knew no sin would become sin for you and I, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Through Him, we who once were afar off have been able to be brought near. Through Him, we would be able to enter the holies of holies. Through Him, the works of the devil would be destroyed. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace and he would change everything he would change everything Uh, God did this because he saw what was to come and he has already provided a way of escape God would provide a lamb that would take away the sin of the world and it's because of this lamb It's because of this provision that you and I can go free. It's because of this provision that you and I can rise above the consequences of sin and failure in our lives, that there would be no more spiritual death, that there would be no more separation from God, that there would be no more guilt, shame, and guilty stain in our lives. So if you're here this morning, and you've never received the benefit of this, the greatest provision of God, please don't leave this house the way you came. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can be baptized this morning in the name of Jesus. That's not just ritual. That's not just Pentecostal tradition. But we're baptized in the name of Jesus For a reason. The Bible says for as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That something supernatural happens in the waters of baptism. Uh, That you come out of the waters different. You have put on Christ. You have put on that very provision of God. And so that when the judgment of God looks at you and says the wages of sin Is death. It sees the provision. It sees the lamb. It sees that you've put on Christ. And it says, yes, the wages of sin is death. But that wage has been paid. There's been a sacrifice. There's been provision made for the sin in his life. There's been provision made for the sin in her life. And now because they put on Christ, they can go free. God did this because he knew that we needed it. He knew that we could not be the people that we want to be without his provision. We cannot be the church that we desire to be without his provision. And so I preach here this morning a simple message of a God who sees, a God of provision, a God who knows where you are. And a God who knows what is to come. A God whose provision is sufficient for our lives. And that when God provides, God doesn't just give us stuff. He doesn't just give us things. But he gives us exactly what we need in order to do what he's called us to do. He gives us exactly what we need in order to be but he's calling us to be. And his provision will match the circumstance. His provision will match the situation. I'm getting ready to close. Musicians can come. But Genesis 22:14, our scripture this morning. And Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. There's something about that last line that speaks powerfully to me. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. One day, it will be revealed. That when you go all the way to where God has been trying to take you, when you go all the way to the place of sacrifice, when you obey God and follow God all the way, to where he's been trying to take you in the mount of the lord it will be seen see so you've got to remember that abraham did not see the provision of god he did not see that 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 ram in the bush until he was on the very verge of sacrificing isaac he had to travel 3 days without being able to see what god saw in his provision. He had to climb that mountain with all the questions, with all the concerns, unable to see what God had already provided. Built an altar, laid Isaac on the altar. He was on the verge of sacrificing Isaac, unable to see what God saw And his provision. What am I saying? So you might not be able to see it now, but that's okay. You might not be able to see it now, but that's okay. Just don't stop walking, don't stop climbing, don't stop building, don't stop believing, don't stop being faithful. Don't stop obeying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop fasting. Don't stop trusting. You might not be able to see it now, but one day it will be seen. One day you will see what God saw in his provision. One day everybody will be able to see what God saw And His provision. But in the meantime, don't lose hope. In the meantime, don't lose heart. In the meantime, don't get weary in your well-doing. In the meantime, don't get discouraged and throw in the towel. In the meantime, don't allow the enemy to convince you that because you can't see it, that God has not provided it. One day it shall be seen. Can we stand all over this building? I'm preaching here this morning a very simple message of confidence and trust in God. A confidence that says, God, my trust doesn't lie in what I can see. But my trust lies in in your provision my confidence doesn't lie in what I can see but my confidence lies in your provision and I just trust you enough to be faithful I just trust you enough to keep walking I just trust you enough not to throw in the towel I'll say it one more time the enemy has somebody just about convinced that God doesn't see where you are. Has somebody just about convinced God doesn't see what you're walking through. Has somebody just about convinced that God doesn't see where you're going. But I'm preaching here, at Jehovah Jireh. There's a God who sees, there's a God who knows. There's a God who sees, there's a God who knows, and he's in this room this morning. Jehovah Jireh is in this room this morning. And he wants to baptize somebody in this house with the fresh confidence that he's with you. He wants to baptize somebody in this house with the fresh confidence that all is well. He wants to baptize somebody in this house with the fresh confidence that he knows exactly where he's taking you and that you can make it. That you can make it just keep walking. Just keep walking. Come on, if that's you this morning, why don't you step out? These altars are open. If that's you this morning, why don't you step out and find a place where you can say, Jehovah Jireh, my trust is in you. Jehovah Jireh, my hope is in you. Jehovah Jireh, my confidence is in you. I believe you see me. I believe you see me this morning. I believe you see me this morning. My confidence, My confidence, my trust, my hope lies in Jehovah Jireh.